The following is a message from Pastor Kelly Hewitt and Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.liveitmke.org. How many of you went to a function in the last seven days where you met somebody for the first time? Okay. How many of you are here tonight met somebody for the first time? There we go. Now we have full participation. When you first meet somebody, you always have that initial gut reaction, right? You either love the person, hate the person, leery about the person, or you just didn't meet them long enough to actually have an opinion about the person. Did I miss one? Those generally tend to be the four categories. You immediately love them, you immediately hate them, you're not quite sure, or you really didn't get to meet them long enough to know whether you liked them or not. It's amazing how quickly we can form a judgment about someone. How quickly we can go, I like you, you're a really nice person. Oh, I'm not sure about you. In, in a matter of moments, we just create all these judgments. Tonight we're going to talk about a couple of people's first reactions to meeting Jesus. And if you're a fill-in-the-blank person, tonight, pull out your bulletin, pull out your pen, that's why you give them to you. I am an ADD person. I have to do multiple things at one time, otherwise I just am not paying attention. So that's why I give you fill-in-the-blanks to have. I put the Bible passages in front of you, and I give you pens. That way you can doodle, you can take notes, or you at least can do something to keep your mind active. So, first fill-in-the-blank, if you're filling in blanks, come and see initial or people's reactions. Come and see the first couple people's reactions to Jesus. If you're looking through Luke chapter 2, you're going to notice that the initial reactions are from the shepherds. The shepherds who were out in the fields, who a bunch of angels showed up to, they went and saw Jesus and they went around town screaming that they found the Messiah. That was the first reactions. Tonight we get to see the secondary reactions. Mary and Joseph have been living in Bethlehem for a little while. That's where this is all taking place. Our author is Luke. What do we know about Luke? We've been going through the series. We've been following Luke. Who is Luke? Luke is a, his profession is a doctor. Was Luke present when all of these events took place? Most likely not. Luke is a second generation Christian, meaning he did not firsthand witness all of these things, but somebody told him, shared with him the gospel, and then he began to have faith. And then all of a sudden, now he wants others to have this faith, And one of his dear friends, Theophilus. Theophilus was a wealthy benefactor. Theophilus didn't quite know. And so Luke said, okay, here's what I'm going to do for you, Theophilus. I'm going to be the researcher. I'm a doctor. I like to research things. So I'm going to go research all of these events, and I'm going to present to you my witness, my testimony of what took place. And that's what he did. That's That's where we get the book of Luke, is Luke went and interviewed everybody. So as you're thinking about who Luke talked to, as you read through chapter 2, obviously chapter 2 in the st- and you hear about the manger story, who would have you interviewed? Most likely? And Mary. Because she would have been the only one there. Joseph is dead. So, as we go into Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 20, I want you to think about who did Luke go talk to? Who is Luke going to who was the first generation eyewitness who saw these things? Here we go. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 20. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, him being Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. 
on the eighth day, you have to realize Jesus is here to take our place. In order for Jesus' death and resurrection to count for us, he had to keep the entirety of the Old Testament law. So here we see Jesus is born under law. He is born and he's going to keep all of the laws. And the first rule, the first law that he had to keep was the one about his circumcision. So, if you go to Genesis chapter 17, in Genesis chapter 17, God sets apart his people and tells all boys from infants on all the way up through adulthood that they need to be circumcised because at that point they weren't circumcised. Talk about being a follower of God. Hey guys, here's the deal. You're a 20-something male. God says, in order to follow me, you need to now go be circumcised. They did not have anesthesia as we have it. They were not knocked out. This would not have been a pleasant experience. And so God says, I'm going to set you apart. And this is going to be something for you, that every generation is going to be set apart by me. And so I'm going to have circumcision as a part of the way you are set apart for me. And so Jesus, to fulfill the Old Testament law, had to be circumcised on day eight. But also what went along with that is naming. Children were not named until the eighth day. He was set apart, he was circumcised, and he was given the name. And the name he is given is the name that the angel said in Matthew 121, Yeshua, God with us, Emmanuel, Messiah. That's the name he's given, Jeshua, Joshua. He saves. So go back, go ahead and go to the next section. So when the time for the purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, so Jesus born under law, mom and dad had to keep all the rites and rituals. First he gets circumcised and named, and then around day 40, they would go through the purification. This would be the time when mom was no longer considered unclean. After childbirth, this was part of a clean and unclean society. So this would be mom would have to go become clean at the temple. Luckily for them, they weren't in Nazareth when this all took place. They were in Bethlehem. The journey from Bethlehem to the temple would be about 2.5 miles, roughly, depending on where in Bethlehem they were. So in the time of completion, so Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is a fulfillment from, we'll come back to that in a second. To present him to the Lord as written the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So here's where they fulfill the law. Here, we go back, go to the next section here. These are little details, but I want to fill them. Circumcision, naming, purification, mom's purification. This is, mom's purification goes to a Le- Leviticus chapter 12. You want to read about the purification laws and rituals? You want to think about how nice we have worshipped today? Go read through Leviticus and read about all the laws they would have had to keep. And then go, yeah, I really like this whole, I believe in Jesus, he saved me, I don't have to do all of those things anymore. Everybody says Christianity is a, uh, is a religion of rules. No, Christianity is a religion of freedom in Christ. Judaism is a religion of rules. Christ fulfilled those rules. So mom's purification. So this means after childbirth, 40 days later, they'd go to the temple, and that's where the two turtle doves, they were supposed to sacrifice an animal. That's why we know Mary and Joseph are very poor, is because the minimum sacrifice you could bring would be two turtle doves. So two birds slightly larger than parakeets. And the last one, Jesus is consecrated or set apart. And if you go back to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus, Moses has gone through the plagues. 
And as the tenth plague is about to take place, it's the plague of the, you don't get to answer. You're the professor. Firstborn, all right. It's hard having the Hebrew professor from my seminary sitting in the front row. (laughs) Plague of the firstborn. So what God said is, mark the doors, and then from this point forward, every time you have a firstborn, you are to set that firstborn apart from me. That firstborn is mine. You will buy them back. And that's part of what the two turtle doves were also. So this is all what takes place. So that Jesus would be completely fulfilling the Old Testament law. So that when he dies on the cross for our sins, he, his payment counts for us. I know these seems like such little itty bitty details. And they may seem like, why does this matter? Why do I need to know this? You need to know this because God had it so thought out that he recorded all of these minute little details so that you understand all of the things that went into having to buy you back from Satan, from death, so that you can be with him forever. It's not just, hey, one act. He starts with his birth, and he shows how he's going to fulfill all of these Old Testament pictures, all of these things that Jews had been doing for thousands of years were a picture of what was to come in Jesus, their Messiah. And so now you begin seeing all these things take place. Now, we get to the next section, and this is where we meet the two, guy, two people we're going to talk about tonight. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. How old was Simeon? What's that? Way up there. How old is Simeon? How old is he? How old does it say he is? It doesn't. There we go. I was wondering how long it was going to take you. It doesn't say. How many of you picture a really old guy? Yeah, why? Because all of the Sunday school pictures we have show a really old guy and a really old gal. Guess what? There's nothing in the Bible that says Simeon was an old man. All it says is that he was a devout believer. Guess what? You can be 12 and be a devout believer. Why do we know that? Because Mary was a devout believer, and she was a teenager who had this, the, the Savior. She was a devout believer. There's nothing in here that says Simeon was an old man. He could have been, but there's nothing in Scripture that says Simeon was old. So, let's put that out of our mind. He was righteous and devout. He was a believer. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He had a promise from the Holy Spirit. This is a guy who worships regularly, whose heart is one who follows God, and God tells him very clearly up front, here's the thing, you will get to see the Messiah, the promised one, before you die. We always assume he's an old man because it says before you die, which means he must be up there so he'd be seeing him soon. But there's nothing in here that says he had to be old. It just said before he would die, he would see him. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law was required. So this is kind of a snapshot. Before it says they came to Jerusalem to do these things, now they're entering the temple to do those sacrifices, those rituals. So as they enter in, Simeon walks up and took him in his arms and praised God saying, so we have a couple new moms here, newer moms. Some creepy guy walks up to you in church and takes your baby. How are you going to feel? 
I mean, that's what, put, put this picture, that's what happens. They walk into the temple, some guy that they don't know, who everybody else knows is a devout believer, but they don't know who he is, walks up and takes their baby. He is not a Levite. He would not be one that you would expect to be doing these things. Walks up and snags their baby and says, The sovereign Lord, as, says, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He sees the child. The Holy Spirit places in his heart that he sees this child. He grabs this child and he testifies about this child. I want you to come and see Simeon's testimony. I want you to come and see how how Simeon testifies to the fact that Jesus is the Savior. The Holy Spirit places it on him that as this child enters, he says, that's the kid. That is the kid who is the salvation. Salvation, key word, underline it, put a box around it, whatever you need to do to remember it. That is the word that says, this is the Messiah. This is the one who is going to save you from your sins. For as your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, your plan of salvation which was laid out in the Garden of Eden, and which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles. This kid is going to be the light, which is going to be the gospel for all people. This is not just for Jewish people. For the Gentiles are included. If you do not have Jewish blood in your vein, you are a Gentile. So we are Gentiles in this room. Jesus is for us and for the glory of the people of Israel. That the people of Israel would be glorified through this kid who's coming. This one that they've been thinking about, the one that they've been prophesying for generations, has now come. Do you realize we sing this song every couple weeks? We sing the song of Simeon. Every time we come forward and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we leave, we sing the song of Simeon because we have seen the salvation of our Savior. We've, he, he's given it to us through our, his body and blood. He's given us our salvation. He's died for us. And it's a testimony. That's why we sing the song every time we have communion. Is as we leave, we can now say we depart in peace because we have seen God's plan to buy us back. Because as we come forward, it doesn't matter what's on our hearts. It doesn't matter because when we come forward and we confess our sins, and he says, here's my body and my blood for your forgiveness. And we walk out of here with God's peace in our hearts and at peace with God, he no longer holds us guilty of the sins. He says, you are forgiven. Here is my forgiveness for you. So you have Simeon testify. Come and see Simeon testify. The reason we say come and see, the reason we talk about this is because there are certain things in our lives that you can only understand when you've personally come and seen them. And seeing Simeon testify about who Jesus is is one of those things. I can argue you about it all day long. But until you see and read for yourself what Simeon heard and said, you, the Holy Spirit needs to work on you through those things. Go ahead. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. He not only testifies, but I want you to come and see Simeon's prophesy, prophecy. 
Prophecy is one of two things. A prophecy is speaking about something that will happen in the future. That is what a prophet does. But it also, a prophecy is also speaking about interpreting things that have taken place. In this case, he is prophesying events that are going to take place in the future. And these words are hard. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and will be a sign that is spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. There are one of two reactions to Jesus. There are two reactions that people have when they come in contact with Jesus. The reaction of Simeon and Anna, which is worship and praise. And the other one is doubt and unbelief. Those are the two reactions you can have to Jesus. And so that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about the fact that hearts will be revealed. People who have, on the outside, they look very religious. I know a lot of very religious people. I know a lot of people who claim to be Christians. A lot of people who go to Christian schools, who who say the right things, but their lives are revealed by the fact that they don't live out what they claim. Their lives are full of hypocrisy. Who say, hey, yes, I am a Christian, but my sex life doesn't matter, my language doesn't matter, and how I deal with others doesn't matter. If, if that's who you are, then your heart is going to be revealed by Jesus. That's what this is talking about. Your heart is going to be revealed. His law and his gospel will be revealing who you are and whether you believe in him. And his second prophecy is that Mary's soul is going to be pierced. She's going to be deeply wounded at the death of her son. That her son is going to die for the sins of the pe- for, for our sins. It's a hard message, right? You'd think Simeon is all excited and he'd have a great prophecy. And it is a great prophecy because he testifies to the fact that this child, this humble baby, this baby who was born in, in a manger, who was born in humble means, is truly the Savior of the world. The Savior who says, I don't care what your background is. The Savior who says, I don't care what you've done. My forgiveness is complete. My forgiveness is enough for you. No matter where you are in your life, I forgive you. I have died for you. Which brings you to Anna's comments. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Fenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then he was, and then was a widow until she was 84. How old is Anna? 84. We know she's an old woman. We don't know how old Simeon is, but we do know Anna's an old woman. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So first you have this old, this, this guy who's not an old guy, or might have been an old guy, who grabs the baby. And now all of a sudden, this 84-year-old crazy woman who lives at the church comes up and snags the baby. What is her reaction? She hears Simeon's words about the child, and what is her reaction? What does she do? She gives thanks. She worships him. She hears the message, 
And instead of her heart being revealed that she doesn't believe, her heart is revealed that she is now praising and running around. This is a picture you have, an 84-year-old woman running around the temple holding this baby. The temple mound is roughly the size of this block, the, the upper parts of it. From Garfield all the way up to North Avenue, it's a big facility. Imagine this 84-year-old woman running around with this child, screaming that the redemption of Israel is here, the, the, the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the Christ child. This is the Messiah. Her heart overflowed with joy that she got to see the Savior. You have one guy who comes who's told in advance, you will see the Savior today. And then you have another woman who arrives, at, arrives who lives there, who says she hears this conversation. And the Holy Spirit works in her heart, and she believes, and all her reaction is she worships. She worships Jesus, and she praises him, and she tells everybody she knows about him. You see, their first responses of those who come in contact with Jesus are all that testimonies to the fact that he is who he said he is, that he truly is the Son of God. You start with shepherds who get an angelic message. You then end up with Simeon, who is a believer, a devout believer who's told by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you see so you can be one of the first to testify to the fact that this guy is the true Christ. Even though he's 40 days old, he is the Messiah. And then you get a woman named Anna who in true joy worships her Savior. My challenge for you this Christmas, we're not out of Christmas yet. Yes, Christmas Day is over. We keep celebrating Christmas up until next Sunday, the Epiphany. And, and we're going to keep celebrating. And my challenge and my, 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 my desire for you this Christmas is to spend time this week asking and praying that God give you this reaction to seeing his son. The reaction that is so moving that you're driven deeper into a relationship in studying and learning about him and then having an Anna-type reaction. I'm just so overjoyed, i got to tell someone. That's my prayer for you this Christmas because that's who he is. He is the son. He is the son of God who came as a child for you and for me.